This is SciBite, episode 59, for August 21st, 2012. Hi, everyone, and welcome to SciBite, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly science podcast. Fresh every Wednesday morning over at jupiterbroadcasting.com and live on Tuesday evenings at jblive.tv. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our host, Heather. Hey there, Heather. Hey there, Chris. Hey, Heather. Happy science to you. Happy science. What are we talking about today? Today, we're going to take a look at possible treatment for Huntington's disease, heart treatment, heart disease treatment, male contraceptives, pythons, Kennedy Space Center, spacecraft and curiosity updates, and always take a peek back into history and up in the sky this week. That sounds like a ton of great science. Should we jump into the first news story? You ready? Let's go. All right. What is our first SciBite news story this week? A compound already in myobetic... Oh my goodness. A compound (laughs) already in biomedical laboratories and emergency room supplies seems to interrupt the formation of neurodegenerative proteins found in Huntington's disease. Oh, okay. So breaking that down because that That's even a lot. me off. Yeah. <laughs> so Huntington's disease is a neurodegenerative uh, genetic disorder. It affects muscle coordination, mm. cognitive, cognitive decline, psychiatric problems, it, it breaks down when a uh, certain sequence of the DNA base pairs or base pairs repeat too often, and you end up with these abnormally long versions of this protein and kind of clumped together and settled in the brain, and then that causes okay. issues. Okay, that is very interesting. I actually never quite understood that, but that makes a lot of sense. So now they've seen uh, methylene blue. It's in a whole different range of fields: biology, <clears throat> chemistry, a whole bunch of different stuff. It's you know, solid and liquid. But as early as 1897, they mm. actually using it to treat various ailments. Okay. Now, it's never been formally approved for therapy for anything. Huh. But because it's there and it's not harmful to humans, something that uh, the treatment for something would hopefully move a lot quicker. quicker. Because they've already seen, oh, it's fine. It's, it's working in humans. They have seen it in some use. Yeah, they've seen it in some use. It's it's not it's not detrimental to humans. Huh. So when they found that when they mixed this up in the food uh, for a week in these in this uh, batch of flies, their brain showed the protein clumps had reduced by eighty seven percent compared to the control group. Oh, and the same thing happened with mice. You know, at you know they saw much better uh, grasping, so they can move better. There was less you know, clumpage in the brain. So it's these type of things that it was slowing down. Now it sort of drops off at a certain point. Oh, really? Like it works for a little while and then it stops working quite as well. So, it, but, but it, it's, it's okay. So does it actually start reversing in a sense? Um, It halts. Ah, okay. I, I don't know that it actually clears out what clumps are there. But less effective but, kind of a thing. Yeah, if you catch it early, it'll... There's no ah. treatment for Huntington's disease. That's, yeah. So anything that even delays it, that kind of slows it down, mm-hmm. is you know is a really promising treatment. So right now they've got yeah. it in. They've got more mouse model testing and 
sort of giving a, a better trial before they can move it on to humans, hmm. before they you know they can actually get a better representation of what it's doing. Even though even though this chemical has been used on humans before, yes, they're, they're, they can't go right to human testing because. Well, it's for this specific thing. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, go back, aspirin. Lots of people use aspirin. Mm -hmm. Now, before they can use it to treat things with the heart, mm -hmm. you know, as, as you know, it does now, they have to approve it for that. So they have to go through all sorts of trials that say, yes, this actually use is good for this. Yeah, it's, it makes sense. I, would, I guess it's going to be, it should be expedited, though, I would think. Yes, and these type of things that once it has already been cleared by the FDA, then it, it is expedited trials. It's all about proving on a larger scale that it does actually help, you know, treat this disease. Hmm. I was loading up our next story. Well, not our next story, one of our next stories. And uh, it's funny, Heather, all of these kind of lead me to like the, it seems like this should be so close. And both of these stories, I'm looking at our, I, I kind of jumped ahead for a second. I didn't mean to, but mm -hmm. I look at both these. It seems like these get to, and we've talked about other ones that get to this phase where, well, it really should be a slam dunk. We've talked about the other things. And then you just, they get to this testing phase and then you never hear of them again, ever again. It just goes away. It just completely just disappears. Well, some of it is, you know, we're, we're following it here very closely and then I'm being impatient is what you're saying <laughs> well it takes a while for these things to go through it's like you know we'll, we'll talk about one later like yeah a, I, mean, I know they want to be safe but at the same They're time like, it's like I want people who are suffering to be able to have oh, access well, to this stuff you know as fast as possible oh, and you just oh incredibly so yeah and it's you know there are long testing procedures now there are <laughs> things uh, orphan diseases where it's you know only a handful of people in the world have something so those are extremely expedited. You know, if there's hardly anybody else, if there's only like a dozen people with this disease in the world, then yeah. you pretty much get a lot of experimental drugs. That makes sense. You know, so it, it all depends on, but I mean, something like this, they might expedite, you know, it is definitely going to be, it's, it's all about how well this can help and how much they can get it to the human population. And it, you know, it may be years before they do it. And sometimes you get this type of thing. And if people realize that it's there, then not that Cybite, uh, you know, condones doing anything against your doctor. But some people start doing it, you know, without medical discretion. Did you read in any of the reports of what the side effects were of, of this methylene blue and if it could be toxic? No, I don't. I don't think it can. I mean, it has nothing obvious. I mean, it's been used since, you know, before 1900. So people are getting so, their hands on it and trying it regardless then. Well, I don't, they're just I not even see, waiting. Well, I didn't see any reports of that, but I oh, know okay. there have been other uh, diseases. Um, uh, a couple people in the chat room talked about uh, Lorenzo's oil. You know, that was sort of a grassroots. I don't remember the exact details. But sort of figuring it out, and even before it was, I believe before it was, you know, quote unquote, medically cleared, that, you know, I'm not even sure that it is completely cleared yet that people were using it anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it, if somebody finds out that it's working, then yeah. they might use it before. Yeah. So it, it all depends, and you know, Cybite uh, says you should talk to your doctor, but. Yeah. 
Side Bite recommends you talk to your doctor. And not yes. just the internet doctor, but a real doctor. No, yeah, like a real doctor. But it is very hopeful. I mean, these kind of things, I even saw that um, briefly mentioned that this type of thing, you know, cousin-related, similar, you know, Alzheimer's and other things that are all about things clumping up or, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dust in the brain. Mm-hmm. You know, something is gathering in the brain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things that will clear this out and how to do that in various different ways, mm-hmm. you know, can make steps forward in a whole bunch of different, you know, diseases. Well, it's, it says, I, I, don't know, I don't know if I missed the number, but I, it says that it's estimated that 25,000 to 30,000 individuals uh, live with uh, Huntington disease in the U.S. right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I could see what you're saying. It's not even like there's a huge, that's not a huge number when you look at the overall population. So yeah, uh, it is hard. It's, yeah, I, I do see your point about how it's hard to test. And yeah. How it, yeah, and how it's, you know, they don't have a lot of cases to work with. Yeah, I mean, you know, there is a point where, I mean, methylene blue, it's, you know, does giving someone, you know, random person in the population do anything, then you've cleared it that it's not going to harm, but you're pretty sure of that anyway. So you, I mean, they prove it in the mice brains because the reason there's so many mice um, tests is their brain sort of acts similar to the human brain for these type of things. The drugs uh. worked on it will work very similar. Oh, that's really interesting. So they'll, they'll clear, you know, clear it that it actually works for that, you know, in that, yeah, in that way. In that way. And then, and then, they then can, they'll... Right. They can measure it and say, yeah, we showed that at this ratio it would do this, et cetera. They can get some sort of science behind it and then they can yeah. figure out how to dosage it out. Yeah. And for diseases where there are no cure, then even things that simply slow it are, are major steps forward and can be approved and lots of people can use it to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Fascinating times. And mm-hmm. another interesting medical breakthrough followed by the SciBite program. We've got there a whole list of them. I mean, it seems like every week you've got a new one that is pretty fascinating. And uh, you never know. It gives you hope. Gives yeah. You hope. Any other thoughts on that one? No, I don't think so. All right, Heather, then why don't we take a pause? And uh, I want to plug something that uh, I don't think we've ever mentioned on this show before. That is the Pluto Files, the rise and fall of America's favorite planet, uh, a topic which we have broached a few times on this show. So if you would like to yes. support the SciBite program, you can head over to our show notes and click on the link to the Pluto Files. And Heather has gone out and found it in both uh, book form for Kindle or paperback or hardcover if you want it, and also in DVD form. That's right. Which would probably be my, my preferred way to watch this one. Yeah. But uh, this is an excellent, excellent series by the uh, Neil, by Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. And uh, of course, of course, don't forget, I know we've been reminding you folks, uh, Guild Wars 2, last chance to get it before it mm-hmm. launches and the early start is uh, this weekend, right? This weekend. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you want to grab that while you can, you'll get a link, you can find a link to that in the show notes as well. And the uh, the buzz has been pretty, pretty excited over it. Uh, yeah. 
I've been following some of the people in the Jupiter Force uh, fleet for Stowe who are uh, watching this one very closely, and it sounds mm-hmm. very fun. So go check out links to that if you'd like to support the program. Also, if you don't want to worry about having to click on links, uh, just go to the very bottom of jupiterbroadcasting.com, and down there you will find links to our Chrome extension and our Firefox extension. You install those into your browser, and like magic, it'll automatically tag the sites that participate in our affiliate program, and you don't even have to think about it. Then when you're doing some shopping, you get yourself something, and you give Jupiter Broadcasting a little something. And thank you to everybody who supports the shows by doing that. All right, Heather. With all, all right. of that done, let's get into the SciBite News Bite. Ooh, very dramatic. All right, Heather, yes. what is the first story in the SciBite News Bite? Heart disease treatment. Researchers at uh, King's College in London have actually developed the first artificial functioning blood vessels outside of the body. And they've actually made them from reprogrammed stem cells from human skin. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So they're able to grow blood vessels outside the body? Yes, they actually uh, finally did it. These are the, uh, you know, the, the skin stem, stem cells. So you can actually take it from the patient itself. You can take their, their skin, the stem cells from their skin so that there's... No rejection. Yeah, there's really no injection because it is you. Huh. And so they're able to inject those cells. Um, you know, maybe you could do that and then inject it into a leg or a heart to restore blood flow. So you can graft these vessels right. into the body, either completely replace or, you know, um, put it inside the vessel to sort of give it a double, uh, a double wall sort of to, you know, help uh, strengthen it. Wow. And, you know, that so, wouldn't that, that would be normally something where they'd have to take a vein from your, like, mm-hmm. say, from your leg or something yeah. like that. Um, and, you know, as the article points out, heart disease is the biggest killer in the UK and the US, right? Yeah. So this seems pretty critical. Oh, yeah. And it, not even just heart disease, but uh, diabetic patients with poor circulation to their legs. This type of thing could be aided to that and possibly prevent leg amputation. Oh, very good point. So, wow. And so they can just take your, they don't have to have like any special like needle in your, in your, in your spine kind of a thing. They just take a slice of your skin and they can do it from that. I'm not entirely sure about how the process is from that, but yeah, sort of like that as wow. far as I can tell. It's that sort of, you know, that sort of thing. So yes, it's, it's, it's a demonstrates that a new type of partial stem cell developed from skin cells can be programmed into vascular cells. And there's no risk of tumors either. With other types of stem cells, there are risk of tumors because it's this whole, um, you know, multiplying cell that's able to do things. And there's a chance of tumors actually growing from that. The process of developing um, into these vascular cells from skin cells only took two weeks. Yeah. Which makes personalized. That makes it like, well, right, Mr. Fisher, uh, we'll take a graft to your skin and then you come back in two to three weeks and uh, we'll install your new blood vessels. <laughs> yeah, it's really fast turnaround. There's no rejection. And there's, there's so much potential for, you know, for heart disease or diabetic patients and all these type of things to be able to restore blood flow. Wow, we are. Or to replace blocked or damaged vessels. That is going to be huge. Um, yeah. I'm going to go get me a burger, uh, number one. And number no. two, this is the beginning of... Something we are about to embark on. You are going to be reporting on this show in a few years' time that I can now pre-order a new lung or a new heart or a new <laughs> liver that's been like 
taken from my own parts and grown. You watch. Oh, you never know. I mean, that's great, right? That's creepy great. Yeah. It's creepy great. Yeah. It's creepy well, great. You know, and this this specifically is promising to me. I had both of my grandfathers had quadruple bypass surgeries. So, you know, being able to do things with be able to replace blocked and damaged vessels. Oh, uh, now know, I'm in worried the heart. about you. And you're kinda high strung. Really? What am I gonna what am I gonna do about that? Oh no. <laughs> See we get well, science science has me have an outlet. Yeah, yeah. Science science will solve Heather's problem. Science is great. Wow. So uh, you guys got to go check out the article in the show notes. Well, Heather actually busted out a ton of a great points in the show notes directly if you want to skim those. If you want to read the whole thing, though, she's got a link to it. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, that it's such a quick turnaround and these could be used. They even say that um, they could be used for regenerative treatment and drug screening to find out uh, how to do new treatments to tackle inherited diseases, all these different types of things. Wow. Very awesome. Very awesome. All right. Well, uh, with that said, should we move on to the two-byte news? Let's go. Two-byte news. The two-byte news. Two-byte news. Oh, yeah. Unsci-byte. Two-byte news. All right, Heather, what is the first story of the two-byte? Can we do it again? That was fun. (laughs) It changes every time. Yeah, yeah. We just, well, people write lyrics for us, and then uh, we just have to, you know, change it up every time. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what is our first story in the two-byte news? Compound named JQ1, which was originally developed as a cancer therapy, also is a cause of reversible infertility in male mice. Really? Speaking yes. of speaking of testing things on mice. Yes. So, you know, JQ1 originally as an anti-cancer agent is specifically designed to uh, stop the uh, cell division, you know, and uh, certain types of aggressive skin cancer. It's all about that uh, out-of-control cell division. So they found that this could actually target um, developing sperm before it starts to reproduce. They actually and, are, and it only targets that. It doesn't target anything else cell-wise in the body. No, it's, it, it, it's not doing anything else. They ah. actually did um, six weeks of injections to these little uh, mice and cut down like 90%. So it was an enormous drop in sperm. And actually after three months of treatment, none of them were able to sire offspring. No real apparent side effects. And testosterone or hormones. Right, and, this is hormone-free, which the article kind of mm-hmm. goes to makes a point to point out. So that seems yeah. like that's really good. Yeah, and a month or two after the treatment stopped, they all could be uh, papas again. And they haven't seen any side effects in the mice or in the offspring of the mice. Yeah. But so, do you know if they are seeking any um, male test subjects? <laughs> <laughs> Not. Yeah, they're still kind of looking at it. I mean, the to lifespans be honest, of mice. If they are came down, they said, long-term. if they said, Mr. Fisher, there's a seventy percent chance uh, it is not reversible. I'd say sign me up. I mean, really, <laughs> it's more about it, um, long-term effects. I mean, mice don't live all that long. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. it's it it's kind of strange to be able. It could turn your testicles test. into rocks after ten years, for all they know. Science is broken. <laughs> You broke. <laughs> All right. Well, here, let me uh, get, us back on track. get us back on track. Yeah. 
Right. Okay. This so is pretty exciting. Do we know how far out this is? Is in terms of like, is um, it still pretty out there on the on the edges, or is this something we might see in the next couple of years? No, uh, not the next couple of years. They're Ugh. still looking to go to primate experiments, but Jeez. they're they're really expensive and funding is scarce. So, um, it's not ready for for testing, but it is sort of a, a a promising lead. There you go. Well, that's great. And so they're going to do primate testing, huh? That's what the next step is. It's just that's pretty expensive, so they have to wait until they have the money for that. <laughs> I wonder how they screen the monkeys for that job. <laughs> we should do a side bite on that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So uh, moving right along, should we talk about uh, a phobia for snakes? Yes. If you have a problem with snakes, um, probably should well, turn That's a warning down. right there. Yeah. yeah, j- yeah. Just for a couple of minutes okay. and then come back to side bite. It's, it's definitely okay. All right. All right. Brace so, yourselves. Yes. A 17.7 foot long, over 160 pound Burmese python was captured in the Everglades in Florida. No. Yes, is the biggest snake of that species ever found. I'm sorry, did you say 17 foot? Yes, almost 18 foot. 17.7 foot. That's a really big snake. Yeah, it's, it's creepy. Yeah, yeah, they bring it in on a they bring it in on like a pallet, and then they have to put yeah. it on this huge freaking long table, well, and it's, it's like taken a whole bunch of those like tables like lined up together. It seems it seems pretty pretty chill. Did they did they drug it? Do you know? I mean, it seems it's like dead. it's oh, well, that's it's, definitely why it seems pretty chill then. It's dead, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, so right. if anybody didn't know, the pythons are not native to Florida. Uh, they were brought in and they were captured and or dumped into the wild in the 1990s. And these huge constrictors are are just taking over. And now, in a couple of years, they'll actually be part of the, the native fauna in the next decade hmm. or so. But this specific one, it'll end up being uh, displayed in the Florida Museum of Natural History. But they actually you know, did a necropsy and they checked. She had 87 eggs as a female. Wow. That's a yep. that's a lot of reproducing. Yeah, another record for the species. So that's it's sort of a more evidence that it's, you know, they're there, they're breeding, they're set. I mean, there's a python patrol in Florida. They've even given up eradicating them. They're just sort of trying to stop the spread to, um, you know, sensitive areas and like bird breeding spots and such. So they're flourishing. Yeah, oh yes, they're completely flourishing. They're going to be part of the native wildlife essentially in the next couple decades. Huh. Yikes. Yes, well, they 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 really like the warm, moist, everglade, swampy area. Yeah. yeah. They're happy there. I and guess they're, so. you know, growing quite big now. Hmm. Um wow. Well, okay. So if you are uh if you're snake sensitive, uh we're done with the snake talk. So yes. I, although I don't know how you would know that, but I don't know. Hopefully well, we've given you, you some just, time. Yeah, hope, yeah, I told him just Dial down yeah, just a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this okay. looks really, really, really cool. As a, yes. as somebody who would love to actually travel to Kennedy Space Center, this might yes. be right up my alley. Oh yes, we've talked about uh, Google Map. Oh yeah. So we Maps. did it uh, the Amazon a while back, mm-hmm. and you can kind of go down the trails. They actually have one for the Kennedy Space Center now. Oh, this is cool. Okay. It has the space shuttle. Uh, it's it's even before everything got tore down. So there's actually you can actually see uh, Atlantis and Endeavor. Oh. There, so they're there. You can get to the space shuttle launch pad, and it has like these different areas, like you ground floor. 
25, 94 tops. You can like go up to specific like uh, stories, like the 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 height where the astronauts would have you know climbed into the space shuttle or at the very very top. You know, this you is really to- great that Google has preserved this in a sense. Yeah, well, that was that was a lot of the point is go in before yeah. everything was really starting to deconstruct because a lot of those things aren't there now. Yeah, exactly. Some of the buildings aren't there now. So it was like I sat there and I was like wandering around. I was like, woo! It was so much fun. Um, the uh, the uh, uh, the ability to document things like that is really gonna be like that'd be great. You know, plop that down in front of uh, some kids, right? And uh, like at a school and have them go check it out. That's t- that's yeah. a tool that is just available to them now. Yeah. So I was uh, I I did this on my uh, Twitter account. I was like, oh, pardon me, I'm gonna go on a digital vacation now. <laughs> I'm gone for a little while. And they're just, uh, just, uh, just put on like some, uh, some 3D glasses, and that would be really kind of a great experience. Maybe get some like <laughs> some background space center sounds and things like that, and really could be immersed. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's cool. All right, so should we talk about hover technology? Because uh, this is something ever since Back to the Future that I've been waiting on. Yes, it's pretty much uh, just a YouTube video with a little bit of uh, description, but. The uh, company Aerofex has designed a hover rover vehicle. <laughs> and it, yeah, say that 10 times fast. Say that once slow. And it responds to your, like, a palace natural sense of balance. So he kind of, you know, leans this way or leans that way, and it's actually being able to steer it. Ooh, that'd probably feel really cool. There's, so there's, like, no flight control software. There's no, uh, you know, computer needed to jam up and go crazy. Huh. So it's, you know, he's just, just able to... You know, have a natural sense of keep lean it, forward and turn this way. Keep it natural. Keep it intuitive. Mm-hmm. And simple. And like yeah. you said, less prone to failure. Mm-hmm. As long as you're... Oh, my gosh. You know? I want this. Yeah, I know. I saw that and I was like, whoa. That's Actually, crazy. Like, even if it could only just do it for like a little while, if I could just like hover up over traffic, that'd be great. <laughs> well, this one's like only hovering yeah. like so many inches above the ground. And yeah. it's nice, straight, level ground. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they seem to be specifically gone to a location that has very flat ground. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's interesting. It's definitely, it's definitely a great idea of a way to control a vehicle like this. Oh, yeah. And one that feels like you could sit down on and just kind of get it. Because if, you know, if you're going to lean that way to make a turn, like I'm almost leaning just watching the video. Yeah, you, know, you kind of watch as well. Yeah. It seems to like lean forward, lean to the side. You're like, no, steer that way. Steer that way. I don't want to go that way. <laughs> yeah, see? So I, I think like you could pick that up pretty quick too, which is mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Well, uh, brace yourself, Heather, because the side computer is flashing a proximity at... Whoa! Oh, Oh, it's the proximity alert. Tell me we have a spacecraft update. Yes, okay. we haven't quite heard about this one before, but it is an update. X-51A, the Wave Rider hypersonic scramjet. Whoa. Kind of broke apart. Oh. Oh, yeah. is this like the super crazy fast uh, Air Force? Yes, they were uh, hoping to reach uh, like Mach 12 to Mach 24. Yeah. So that's like... 24 times the same speed of sound, 18,000 miles an hour. It's a little craft they launched almost like a missile. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a scramjet, which means it doesn't have any moving parts. Its engine literally just um, burns, sucks in. Well, it sucks in the air that it, like, there's a hole in the middle of mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. and uh, the atmosphere flies through it. And that's actually able to, they're able to use that to, to heat it and able to, 
Now I'm going to really mess this up if I try to go too far into how this works. I don't want to break the science here. Yeah, that's okay. It's very fast. It almost looks like it has a deflector dish, but so it has sort of like some sort of air intake that it must be using yeah. for the oxygen that the or for whatever the fire needs to burn. This yeah, is, a- this is a pretty cool. This is a very cool toy, and the idea is is like you could get across the U.S. in like a crazy amount of time, right? Or oh, yeah. theoretically across the ocean. Yeah, it could cut a um, you know eighteen hour trip from Tokyo to New York City in less than two hours. That would be awesome. Now, of course, the, the secret to this thing's uh, ability to go fast is that it must be incredibly light, right? Yeah. So, it, and because there's no moving parts, you can just go and it. But unfortunately, um, there was a control failure. It broke apart after about 200 seconds. Oh. Um, actually, uh, I was in uh, a test in 2011, failed after that. But this one, not long after it uh, launched, it had a. Uh, you know, had a failure, it broke apart. Mm, mm. So, about 15 seconds after launch. But These hopefully, things happen. Yeah, hopefully, you know, and hopefully the next one will be more successful. I mean, you haven't, you haven't heard anything like, this doesn't like, this doesn't like, you know, they're not like scuttling the project from this, right? This isn't Oh, goodness, like a, no. They won't scuttle this. So, uh, there is actually, so we were talking, we were trying to, we were trying to science our way through how the engine works. Mm-hmm. Heather included a video that you guys can go check out if you like, linked in the show notes. They've actually got a diagram of how the whole intake system works. So if yes. if you were curious on how something can do this with the speed it does without any moving parts, um, mm-hmm. go check out the video. Heather put it in the show notes. That way I won't I won't break the right. science. Don't want to break the science. You can see the, the fuel air combustion right there on the youtube and get it for yourself it is actually a really cool it this you know we are doing such neat things so yeah and it's i don't know i i don't know if this will be something that's directly applicable to some sort of civil transport unit since it Mm -hmm. you know it would require a much larger engine i would think but yeah uh, you never know right you never know think about think about how much more accessible that would make traveling somewhere yeah cool and uh uh there's in the chat room was like oh no what about the pilot now they're uh, as Crash said, there are no pilots um, at this point going at that um, speed. I don't know whether they'd be able to <laughs> hook something up, and that would be require a very large craft to be able to hook it up so that it was safe for a human, and they could actually take the speed. Now uh, we've been thinking and talking a lot about curiosity, but in a few years, maybe a few lot of years, we might be talking about a totally new Mars probe, right? Is it a we, probe? Is it a rover? What is it? It is a new lander. Oh, uh, okay. It is uh, just got a firm, can, uh, the low, it's a low budget planetary mission. It was uh, called InSight. It's to determine whether the Mars's core is liquid or solid. It'll have four instruments um, rotate to measure rotation axis, seismic waves, heat going through the planet's uh, interior. So it's got a whole bunch of things uh, to measure, and it just got approval. Now, it won't actually launch for quite a few years, mm-hmm. um, uh, 2016 launch. Right. But stage one, step one is uh, is good to go. Yeah, okay. And then did I read, uh, maybe do you know any more about this, that uh, they canceled uh, another NASA project in order to help fund this one? Does that Does that ring any bells with you? Oh, they might have. I try to yeah. not look at the sad. I was like, "Ooh, cool! Something got approved." Yeah, no, it is very cool. And yeah. uh, and 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 while curiosity is poking things, this will be drilling down, which is really awesome. So, yep, can't so wait we'll to. be able to see 
the more interior information. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, speaking of curiosity, why don't we do and a liftoff of the Atlas V with curiosity? Touchdown confirmed. We're safe on Mars. <laughs> All right, Heather. So, uh, why don't we uh, do our uh, curiosity rover update? Every time I'm still like cheering, I was like, "Woo!" I okay. know, I know. So, like a little bit before curiosity. So there was one of the mechanical engineers on the team mm-hmm. actually created a, you know, Curiosity rover model in Legos. No, come on. Yes. And so Lego has this um, this site, uh, Kusu, where you can go on and be like, make this awesome model. Yeah, I've heard and of you this. Can, and you can post it up. And if you get, uh, you know, 10,000 votes, then it'll go forward in a step and they'll, they'll actually look at it to see if it, you mm-hmm. know, they want to make it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... I tweeted out. I was like, oh, my gosh, go. It was like the most retweets I've ever gotten. Not that it was, you know, hundreds, but it was like a whole bunch of retweets for me. Everyone go, I like, be a science hero. And it did. It got its <laughs> 10,000th uh, vote and I actually got it pretty quick. Hmm. Uh, it got on to Reddit and then it exploded from there. Oh, cool. So it's, you know, so it's in the, the stages where they're actually going to look at now because it got so many votes so quickly. They may actually, and because actually the guy made it so that it's only parts used that are currently, that Lego is currently making in current models, in certain kit, in okay. current kits. Okay. So it might be um, fast-tracked. And he actually had something else where he made, you know, the the pack that had it coming down. Mm-hmm. He made that too. So they've, I heard uh, that they actually kind of indicated to him that they might be interested in that as well. Like a little snap-on jetpack. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like the jetpack over curiosity. Yeah, and he even had like little, like, um, you know, clear flames, <laughs> like coming out of some of the the corners. Yeah. So they're like, that's, that's very, pretty cool. That's we, a nice we touch. Really like, we really like that. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yes. Now uh, I know that curiosity actually started getting busy this week, didn't it? It actually started doing a few yes. things. The real curiosity, it shot its laser. It the laser, laser has been fired. It has been fired for the first time on Mars. The laser has been fired. August 19th, the uh, Kim Kamet hit a uh, fist-sized rock called Coronation. It hit with 30 pulses of uh, laser in 10 seconds. And they were able to use that to ionize uh, glowing plasma. And then another uh, um, Kim Cam was able to take the spectrometry spectrometer yes spectrometer to catch the light from that and analyze it uh so they were able to see what elements in the target and actually they're hoping to actually look at it to be able to see was the you know was the start the same as the end so are we kind of digging down into a different layer of the rock very cool and and to kind of like uh, tie it all in uh nasa released like their own youtube report of it Yep. And uh, they're featuring Mohawk Guy on it. Yes. I love it. They're like, they're like, all right, they're like, they're just embracing Mohawk Guy now. And they're like, well, Mohawk Guy is going to be our face. Everybody loves Mohawk Guy. Yeah. Yeah. They do these uh, rover reports every every week. I'll have uh, links to them in the show notes so that you can kind of check in. And it's sort of uh, just a couple minutes telling somebody from the team, telling, uh, you know, where they stand in Cybite uh, in Curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, this one is only a minute 20. So you can go yeah. check it out. Link is in the show notes. And you, you basically, on this one, they're covering all the stuff that's turned on now and how it works. Yeah. And it's it's hosted by Mohawk Guy. 
<laughs> oh, everybody Everyone's loves like, Mo- everybody Mohawk loves Mohawk guy. guy. Yeah, everybody he, loves. Does Mohawk he have guy. a name? No, his name is Mohawk guy. Well, what is his name? He does. I'm sure. I'm sure they. Here, uh, yeah, his he, name is um, Bob Ferdowski. Fredowski. He has a real name. Bob. See, if, when you said Bob, I was like, is he gonna totally fake this? Oh, oh, actually, I'm sorry. My eyes are blanking out. It's Bo Bobak. Bo- Bobak. <laughs> Bobak. Ferdowski. Bo- I, I swear, my eyes are. I did not see the AK at the. I just. Saw <laughs> I just thought. I thought how like strange. You said, you said just Bob, and I'm like, you're totally making a name up. <laughs> totally making a name up. Uh, well, I just, I don't know. I think I read Bob, Mohawk and guy. I just started laughing inside because I thought, how funny is it? The Mohawk guy's name is Bob. Uh, well, so, okay. I didn't mean to step on anything else on Curiosity. Okay. Uh, the robot arm. Mm. Actually, it was able to flex its arm for the first time. It was able to go through, you know, uh, a series of, you know, test maneuvers to make sure that it was working, checked out all five joints extended them all the way back to, you know, it's seven feet long and then was able to fold it back up into its travel position. So they've got that move. They've kind of stretched their arm. They fired their laser. They're getting ready. They're going to be pretty close to doing their first, um, you know, movement. So they'll pretty much just go forward, you know, turn and then come back. So it's going to be a very short jaunt for the first time. But they're kind of going through and, you know, as the video said, they've gone through all these different, you know, all the different uh, instruments and been checking them out. Now they have the laser they've checked out. They've checked out the arm. So it's kind of one step at a time and then we'll be ready to actually start uh, roving. <laughs> oh boy. And then we'll get all kinds of interesting little side bite updates. All right, Heather. Well, then I think uh, we'll leave Curiosity Rover off to do its mini task. You and I, though, we need to jump in the time machine. Let's go. Come on. Wait. Close the door. Close the door. Oh, oh, oh. Ah, uh, yep, yep, yep. I always can tell when it's a short one because it's kind of got this weird vibration to it. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like, you know, when you got like a one tire that's kind of a little low. This one takes us to six years ago, August 24th, 2006. That's right. Pluto was declassified as a planet by the International Astronomical Union. And the internet erupted. Yeah, everyone erupted. It didn't. It was not, they didn't say it's no longer a planet. It is a dwarf planet. Okay, okay, all right. Because, uh, you know, they had a, it had a small size, smaller than the moon. It was highly elliptical orbit, very tilted, um, you know, which overlaps out of Neptune. You know, so, you know, it actually is inside the orbit of Neptune for a number of years. So. You're just kind of rubbing it in at this point, though. No. <laughs> Look, if they had proved, they never really had a proper definition of planet. Like, never. Right. So, essentially, they got to the point and they came down to, if we include Pluto, there are, like, a whole bunch of other things that are going to be planets, too. You know, the largest asteroid in the the asteroid belt. It was going to be classified as a a planet, suddenly. Hmm. So they kind of had to separate it out. We're like, okay, there's this whole bunch of things that they're kind of almost, they're just missing a little bit. They're just missing the, the shot by a little. So we'll call them dwarf planets. And there you go. And Pluto's status was changed forever just six years ago, folks. Just six that's years right. ago. So that's why we it, had some of the uh, Pluto files going on yeah. in the show. So it ties back yes. in with our picks this week. So go, yep, uh, because uh, poor, poor uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson gets blamed for a lot of it because he, you know, he has the... The big space center in New York, and he's setting it all up, and he's got the 
the solar system and he's like, we're not going to have uh, Pluto out there. All at all, so, though. All at all, yeah. though. I think it's been good for his career. Oh, you made him totally famous. I think you put him on the map, right? <laughs> now, yeah. Now, there was a lot of hate going his way. Was I watched uh, one one show where it's he goes to the home of the you know the family of the guy who discovered pluto oh no really he's like all right i look with the television crew there he's like all right um i might get kicked out oh, really no. soon i never so. even thought about it from that angle you know he's like i'm gonna go talk to them wow. <laughs> so he like goes and like they don't actually show him talking to them but he comes out and he's like okay they've, they've kind of sort of forgiven me <laughs> it's wow. like it's like this feeling where it's like Hmm, that's kind of brave of you to go in there, dude. Yeah, yeah, really. Although the cameras didn't go in with him, that'd have been really interesting. Well, but maybe well, uncomfortable. It might have been a little awkward. Yeah, because you want them to be able to say what they want. And you want them to yeah. be able to have the privacy. Yeah. But yeah. I remember specifically, he like goes and, and talks. Hmm. Uh, cool. All right. Well, you know what, Heather? Uh, what? Uh, you know, before we uh, hit the looking up button yeah, i had yeah. one more quick note okay uh voyager 2 just celebrated its 35th birthday Aww. on monday means it's the longest running mission ever for nasa respect yep no doubt no doubt it's a mission running longer than probably some people that are working at nasa well of course then some people are working at nasa all yeah. right well now let me recalibrate the sci-fi computer heather so that way i can focus our enormous science telescope up in the sky this week that's right. On Wednesday, we've been talking about it for a little while. At twilight, Saturn, Spica, Mars, still visible. Um, they'll be to the right, um, to the lower right of the moon at twilight as the week goes on. Friday, we have the first quarter moon, so you can see it about there. And Saturday, uh, a, couple, a couple hours before sunrise, you'll be able to see the constellation of Orion starting to come into view on the eastern horizon. Mm. You know, so it's it's one of the major constellations that people can actually identify. So kind of toss that in as uh, you'll start being able to see that and totally, um, you know, unbiased. Because it's my favorite constellation, but you know, <laughs> completely unbiased. Okay, it's very right, right. it's very visual one that people can identify. Right. <laughs> That'll be a very very pretty sky then. I like that. Yes. All right. Well, there you go. It's the yeah. whole show. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Now, of course, everyone, uh, we encourage you to join us live on uh, Tuesday nights at 7.30 p.m. Pacific over at jblive.tv. And uh, you can then catch SciByte fresh for download on demand over at jupiterbroadcasting.com Wednesday mornings. And huh? uh, download just about any format you could want and find links to all the different topics Heather covered also in the show notes. And uh, also, please consider using those Amazon links to support the show. Heather! Speaking yeah. of show, great show this week. Thanks so much. Great show. All right, Heather. Well, we'll talk to you and everybody else. Just join us right back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>